This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Uh, Yankees season seems to be free falling away. One loss, which could come tonight, away from elimination and being swept in the ALCS by the Astros. It is time for Diamond Notes, brought to you by Two by London, the engagement shop at London Jewelers. So we've been talking a lot about the Yankees' anemic offense, their offensive approach, their lack of productivity. Let's hear from Aaron Boone after last night. Again, the Yankees have managed just four runs in three games. In the first game, they got solo home runs from Harrison Bader and Anthony Rizzo. And in the second game, after a leadoff single by Judge, Framber Valdez made a two-base throwing error. So that set the Yankees up with runners on second and third and nobody out. Both of those runs scored, one on a ground out, the other on an infield single, and that's it. That is all the scoring the Yankees have done through three games of this American League Championship Series. So has the lack of offense surprised Aaron Boone so far? Yeah, I mean, we need to do more if we're going to win, obviously. Um, in baseball and, and small snippets, especially when you're up against really, you know, really good pitching, you know, if you're not really on top of it or really executing at a high level, these things can happen when you're up against a great pitching staff. So... Uh, you know that's that's the nature of the postseason. But you know, I keep saying we got to find a way. We do. I mean, we it's no time to sit here. But it's that's a it's a small snippet right now, and we got to we got to find a way. Whether again, that's taking advantage of mistakes, um, swing decisions, and then and then picking our spots where we, you know, try and go and take away one of their strengths. Now you don't want to pin it all on one guy because that's not fair and it wouldn't be accurate but the headliner in this lineup is Aaron Judge and he carried this team for large portions of the regular season and led them to 99 wins but he hasn't been himself ever since he slugged home run number 60 against the Pirates in late September remember how that uh, back-to-back days unfolded the Yankees were in Milwaukee on Sunday and then Judge hit numbers 58 and 59 and then they came home for that two-game miniseries against the Pirates on a Tuesday, I believe. And in his last at-bat, he hit number 60. And then, of course, from that moment on, the lights came on. Every at-bat was magnified. The pressure was ratcheted up, and he struggled down the stretch of the season. Didn't get a lot of pitches to hit, but that kind of put him into a little bit of a funk as well. And he hasn't broken out of it. In the Cleveland well, this series, he's one for 12. And he has struck out three times, and he looked ugly doing so yesterday. In the Cleveland series, he was four for 20. And out of those 20 at-bats, he struck out 11 times. So he has struck out 14 times in 32 at-bats during the playoffs so far. So Boone was asked about Judge and if the home run chase tired him out. I mean, I don't know. I I think, you know, everyone's... That time of year, you know, especially when you've played a full season, everyone's played, you know, everyone's a little tired, but, you know, you're playing for everything right now, and that kind of helps make the tired go away a little bit. That's Diamond Notes brought to you by Two by London, the engagement shop by London Jewelers. Pick or design the perfect engagement ring to fit every budget at any of their six area locations. All right, Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York, 1-800-919-3776. We'll go back to the phones and bring in Simon in New Haven. Simon, how you doing? Hi, Pat. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Well, I know who we should get for hitting coach and also for managers. The, 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 the problem with the hitting is that the hitting coaches we have are more fond of teaching this team to play ping pong with grounding out and popping up all the time. You've got to get Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada because whoever these two hitting coaches are, 
on the team we have now are schmucks. And as for manager, get rid of Boone. We got to get maybe Ozzie Gian or Joe Madden or Mike Socia. I mean, I, I'm tired of these wussy managers who make excuses. I want someone that gets in your face and gives you constructive criticism. All right, that's that. That's how I feel. I'm a very passionate Yankee fan. All right, get rid of Boone and get rid of Cashman. I don't care what you got to do. If you don't, we're going to have World War Three on your hands. I'm telling you. Simon, thanks for the call. Uh, don't want anything to do with Joe Madden. Uh, always liked Ozzie Guillen as a manager, and I tend to um, trend towards the more fiery types. He obviously had success winning a World Series, but that was also a long time ago. He won the World Series in 2005 with the White Sox. It, that was 17 years ago. Uh, I don't even know what Ozzie Guillen's doing. Um, I like that type of manager. Um, it, it is obviously different than the approach that Aaron Boone has. Mike Sosha, same, had a great run in uh, Los Angeles with the Angels. It always seemed like whenever the Yankees played the Angels during the Girardi years, it always seemed like the Angels were a step ahead. And it always, Mike Sosha was the one man, and I always thought Girardi was a good manager. Sosha was the one manager who always seemed to be a step ahead of Joe Girardi. The problem with those names, those names are from two decades ago. You know, Sosha won his World Series in 2002. Guillen won his World Series in 2005. And I know I saw Bruce Bochy just came back, three World Series championships with the uh, Giants. He's now managing Texas. But even he won a World Series as recently as 2014. That's not that long ago. And even he seems old right now. So, look... I think Boone and Cashman are a package deal. I think if Cashman is back next year, and I do think that the way that this series has played out, I think if the Yankees lose tonight and go down meekly once again, I think everything is on the table regarding this team. I mean, this could be, if the Yankees lose tonight, this could be the most critical Yankees offseason since 2008. 2008 was the last year of the old Yankee Stadium. It was Girardi's first year as Yankees manager, and it was also the first time that the Yankees missed the playoffs since before the strike year. The last time the Yankees had missed the playoffs was 1993. And then there was the strike in 94. They made it with Walter in 95, and then Torrey came in and never missed the playoffs and won the four World Series and went to six of them. And then Girardi comes in first year, and they missed the playoffs, and the Yankees reconstructed everything. They moved into the new stadium, which was happening anyway, but then they brought in Sabathia, they brought in A.J. Burnett, they brought in Mark Teixeira, they brought in Nick Swisher. Everything was different. This offseason could be the most impactful offseason since then. You, you certainly hope if you're a Yankees fan, it has a similar result. But if the Yankees lose tonight 4-2, to 4-1, to one, and have four hits again, everything, I think, is on the table. I mean, Cashman has been with the organization since the mid-'80s. He's been the general manager since 1998. And I just read to you the offensive numbers for the Yankees in the playoffs in the last 10 years. But just overall, how do they do? 2021, you lose in the wild card. 2020, you lose in the ALDS. 2019, you lose in the ALCS. 2018, you lose in the ALDS. 2017, you lose Game 7 of the ALCS. 2016, you miss the playoffs. 2015, you lose the wild card. 2014 and 2013, you don't make the playoffs. That little stretch from the 2009 team, it was basically 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. That was a four-year stretch where they had won it all in 2009. 2010, they ran into a red-hot Rangers team led by Cliff Lee and Josh Hamilton, lost in the ALCS. 2011, a disappointing ALD 
last loss to the Tigers. And then the 2012 season, and that run ended in Game 1 of the ALCS against the Detroit Tigers when Derek Jeter in extra innings broke his ankle at shortstop. That little mini four-year run ended that night. So if you take that little era of Yankees baseball and put it in its own little compartment from the moment that Jeter broke his ankle to right now, the Yankees have not been one of the five most successful franchises in baseball, one of the eight most successful franchises in baseball. I'd have to go through all the teams. And so there's two ways to look at this always. Yeah, if you're the Texas Rangers, or the San Diego Padres, although they're a bad example because they're in the NLCS right now, but until this year, they have had no success over the last decade. But if you're a team like that, yes, of course, you would sign for what the Yankees have done since 2012. But these are the New York Yankees. Biggest market, best history, most famous franchise in certainly American, North American professional sports, all of these resources at their disposal, if you're a fan of this team, if you're the owner of this team, if you're anybody with a vested interest in this team, you want more than what they have given you over the last 10 years. I mean, think about this. The Yankees are likely going to miss the World Series this year. That will be 13 consecutive years without playing in a World Series. I'm not even talking about winning a World Series. 13 years without playing in the World Series. Now, the Yankees went to the World Series in 1981. The 80s are largely looked at historically as a decade of turmoil for the Yankees. George Steinbrenner was firing managers and general managers at his whim. The Yankees won a lot of games early, but they never made the playoffs after 1981. They actually won the most regular season games in the 1980s, and things would have been different for those Yankees teams if the playoff format was then what it is now with all the extra wildcard teams, but they weren't. So the Yankees went from 1981, when they made the World Series, until 1996 when they won the World Series. So that was a 14-years stretch without playing in the World Series. And that is looked at historically by Yankee fans who were around then as a period of great futility. If and when the Yankees lose one more game to the Astros, they're one year away from that drought. We're there. This has been a period since 2009 as far as this franchise is concerned, of great futility. And at some point, and I've never been one to stand in front of a microphone and call for someone's job. I don't think that's right to do. But at some point, you have to look at making changes. All right? The reason why it's, I'm not going to say it's okay to call for someone's job in this situation, but... Everybody who has these jobs in professional sports, managers, general managers, athletes are different because they're the star attractions. But the decision makers, the reason why part, the, the, part of the deal with these jobs is that you are under an intense amount of pressure and scrutiny. Now, the positive side of that is you are paid very, very well for that, whether you're a manager, whether you're a general manager, 
part of your immense salary that you make in comparison to the rest of society is the fact that you're going to have to deal with people like me, people like Simon, people like our callers calling in when things are not going well and calling for your job. So that's just part of the cost of doing business. They understand that. It's part of the deal. I don't think there's a single manager or a general manager who would not sign up for that role knowing full well that that's part of it. All right? So that's where we stand right now regarding that. This this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Aaron Boone took Cole out. 95 pitches thrown at that point in the game. Uh, Lou Trevino, as you heard Michael describe, comes in. And all three inherited runners scored. First one on a sacrifice fly that moved up the runners. And then Christian Vasquez, the old Red Sox catcher, lines a two-run single to center field. So all of a sudden... In a game in which the Yankees were already going to have trouble winning, trailing two to nothing, it was five to nothing after that, and it just felt like an insurmountable lead at that point. Uh, let's go back to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Go to Mike in the car in New Jersey. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, man. Um, I agree, like with almost everything you've said. Um, my thing is, obviously, I've never played, you know, uh, baseball at a high level or work for an organization, but I just feel like, like, you look at a guy like Rizzo, who's respected, right, and he's got a two-strike approach, right? I don't see anyone else doing that. Everyone's trying to hit a 12-run home run, and, you know, th- there's just no approach to, to, to the playoffs. They treat it like it's the regular season, and I'm wondering, that's got to be managerial. That's got to be cultural, Right. It's analytically driven for the most part. The Yankees are a team that is constructed to win over 162 games. And by the way, that works. They won 99 of them, and they won the division. The problem is, the problem is, and I'll let you answer, Mike, the problem is when you get into the playoffs, it's a smaller sample size, and you're facing better pitching, those same analytic models don't play out as successfully. Right. Uh, I, I agree. I just, you know, it, it's just year in and year out. You know, I mean, I, I forget, it was a couple of years ago where everything was launch angled and all these guys, uppercut swings. But, you know, you listen to the games all year and you hear guys like Paul O'Neill, right, breaking down like Glaber Torres. And he's like, yep, Glaber Torres, he's trying to uppercut the ball. He's a much better hitter when he tries to drive it to the opposite field. You know, respected people in the game, day in and day out, break it down that way. I just... I'm puzzled at why it doesn't make it to the Yankees hitting coach and the Yankees players that what you've done all year isn't going to work against elite pitching. And I'll I'll let you kind of comment. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the call, Mike. Let me point this out also, all right? The Yankees are missing the two players in their lineup who are not uppercut swingers, not launch angle swingers, are contact hitters, guys who get on base at high percentages. But Andrew Benatendi and DJ LeMahieu are both hurt. And that's really unfortunate. But you do have to factor that in. All of the problems that are facing this Yankees offense right now. Not getting on base, not putting the bat on the ball, striking out too much, relying too much on the home run. The two guys in this organization who were brought here to counteract that are both injured. And that's a factor. Whether you, I'm not making excuses for Cashman or Boone or the team. That is just a fact. If Andrew Benatendi is leading off and DJ LeMay, who is batting second, and they're both healthy, and then you go judge, 
and then you go Stanton, and then you go Rizzo, that's a much different lineup than the one they're rolling out there. So that's a factor. But it doesn't excuse the other guys. That is still there. Judge is struggling right now. He's in a funk, and I do think it started with the home run chase in September. But you look at the rest of this lineup. Josh Donaldson hasn't changed his approach at all. They're getting nothing out of the catching position. Neither one of those are particularly strong catchers to begin with. The one other guy they have that could put the bat on the ball is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and he's a singles hitter at best, and they don't trust his defense right now. You know, Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza, the two youngsters, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle with either one of them. So yeah, overall, the approach is not working, and it has not worked for a long time right now. But you do have to factor in the absences of LeMahieu and Benatendi. I mean, the Yankees made the right trade for Andrew Benatendi. He had a rough first week and a half, and then he started hitting really well. And then on a swing and a miss in Tampa on a Friday night, he broke a bone in his wrist. Those things happen. It's incredibly unfortunate, but those things happen. Let's go to Arthur on Long Island. Arthur, how you doing? Hi, Pat. Uh, thanks. Uh, like your work. Thank you. So, uh, talking judges' contract, your screener shot me down right away because he thought uh, 400 mil. I wrote down a half a dozen numbers or so. I'm not sure before or after he broke the record. Let's start at the low end. He's going to be 32 next year. Is that correct? I think 31. Let me double check that. But go ahead. All right. 45 by 7 is 315. Uh, 40 by 8 is 320. 50 by 7 is 350. 45 by 8 is 360. Your screener told me he's going to get 400 at least. Um, I'll listen to you. Make that last comment again. I'll listen to you. Uh, so what do I uh, throw out my low ones that are all on the 300. I got 45 by 7, 315, uh, 40 by 8, which is 320. Uh, 50 by 7, which is 350, or 45 by 8, which is 360. This is for the Yankees or for any team? Uh, for the Yankees. All right, thanks for the call. He's going to be 31 in April, by the way. What are the Yankees going to do? I, li- I like 45 by 7 the best. What's that number? We let the caller go. I'm not good with math. I used to be. Uh, three fifteen. I mean, that doesn't see that doesn't seem like enough, though, right? I mean, forty five by seven seems like a, a ridiculous amount. Um, but then when you look across town and you see Francisco Lindor, I know he had a good season, make it three hundred forty. I think the number is going to start with four. The total number is going to start with four. All right, so that eliminates forty five by seven. Uh, forty by eight. That eliminates that. Fifty by seven. That eliminates that. Forty five. None of those start with four. I think the number's going to – I swear, I think the number's going to start with four. I think I think there's going to be a team out there that comes in with an offer that starts with $400 million. I really do. And I know he has not been good this postseason, but I think that is going to affect it from the Yankees' standpoint more than it will from any other team's standpoint. I think teams want him in their organization. First of all, the production on the field. But second of all, the guy he is as a leader in the clubhouse. I mean, you know, everything that people in this town said about Derek Jeter for two decades, a lot of those same attributes belong to Aaron Judge. I mean, he really hasn't made a misstep at all. 
And then you add on to that the fact that he just hit 62 home runs. All right, he's struggling in the postseason. Everybody around him is struggling in the postseason. I don't think that's going to knock down the number that much. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Pat O'Keefe with you on 98.7 ESPN New York, 1-800-919-3776. Week 7 of the NFL continuing about 25 minutes from now. The Giants are in Jacksonville. Dangerous game for the Giants. You look at the Jags. Uh, they're 2-4. and four. They've lost three games in a row. You think, hey, the Giants beat the Packers in London. They came from behind to beat the Ravens. They should be able to beat the Jaguars. Jaguars are talented. All right, They have made some crucial mistakes late in games and lost some games that they easily could have won. They're a talented team. Trevor Lawrence, the former number one pick in the draft. Uh, long way to go for him, and it's been... A bumpy season so far, but he's, his improvement uh, has been clear since his rookie year, which was a disaster under Urban Meyer. Played very well early, has kind of come back to the pack the last couple of weeks. So it's a more dangerous game than you might think uh, for the Giants. And let's be honest, I know the Giants are 5-1. and one. I know Brian Dayball, and rightfully so, is the front runner for NFL Coach of the Year. I know the Giants would be a playoff team. In fact, there's only one team in the entire NFL right now that has a better record than the Giants, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I know all of those things are true. If you're a Giant or a Giants fan, the last thing you can afford to do still after the last six years, the last thing you could afford to be is overconfident. And I don't think they will be. And I think that is part of uh, the tone that Brian Dayball has set with this team. So that's coming up at 1 o'clock. Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay are still out. Saquon Barkley is still battling the shoulder injury. And then you have the Jets also looking for a fourth straight win. And, and similar things for the Jets. This is a very winnable game for them in Denver. A Broncos team that isn't that good to begin with, at least hasn't played that well despite high expectations. And they're without their starting quarterback, Russell Wilson. Now, does that help them? I mean, Wilson has not been good this season. But do you have a lot of faith if you're Denver in Brett Rippon, who will be getting the start at quarterback? Denver's got a very good defense. You know, the Jets' offense has been some big plays, but you haven't really seen, you haven't seen it all, uh, other than that fourth quarter against Pittsburgh in his first game. You haven't really seen Zach Wilson put something together for a sustained period of time and lead this offense. It's been a lot of Brees Hall. It's been a lot of special teams plays. The defense has been great for the Jets, and I expect that to continue today against the Denver team, which has struggled offensively and which is playing without its starting quarterback. So that's the football uh, story in New York anyway. Uh, the 1 o'clock games get going a little more than 20 minutes from now. Our coverage of Jets-Broncos, our pregame coverage begins right here at 98.7 at 2 p.m. And then later tonight, uh, weather permitting, because there is rain in the forecast tonight in the Bronx. Again, remember, Yanks have already had two games, these playoffs postponed. So the weather has wreaked havoc with the Yankees' playoff schedule uh, in these playoffs. Yankees-Astros game four. Yankees trailing three games to nothing, of course. 7.07 scheduled first pitch. This was interesting. On uh, ESPN.com, they list available tickets, courtesy of Vivid Seats, for the Padres-Phillies game, which starts at 2.30 in Philadelphia. And the Phillies, after coming back to win yesterday, are one win away from going to the World Series. Padres-Phillies... 2.30 this afternoon at Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. According to Vivid Seats, tickets as low as $283. $283 is the lowest price ticket for that game. By contrast, according to Vivid Seats, if you want a ticket to Game 4 at Yankee Stadium, 
between the Yankees and the Astros, tickets are as low as $22. It says it all right there. This is, it's a dead team right now. The only thing, the, the only reason I think the Yankees could win tonight is the fact that they have Nestor Cortez pitching. He's been their best pitcher all season long. Cole's been good in the playoffs, and I think Cole has risen to the occasion. And is he a top five pitcher in baseball? He's not. Would you like him to be, considering he signed at the time the largest long-term contract in history for a starting pitcher? Yeah, you would like him to be that. He's not a top five pitcher. You know, he's not Justin Verlander or or what I was going to say Max Scherzer, but that that uh, argument or example hasn't aged well since the wild card round. But he's not one of those top five guys in baseball right now. Um, is he a top ten pitcher? He is. He he still is, and I think he has redeemed himself. His reputation took a beating last year in that wild card game where he was bad in Fenway Park and the Yankees season came to an abrupt end. And that loss hung for an entire season on Garrett Cole in his three starts this postseason. Game one against Cleveland, game four against Cleveland when the Yankees were facing elimination and last night where he pitched really well. I mean, come on. You've got a gold glove center fielder and he drops a fly ball because he has miscommunication with a gold glove right fielder. That cannot happen. And it led to the two-run home run. Now, the thing that separates Cole from Verlander is if that happened to Verlander, Verlander would have gotten the next guy out. He would have gotten Chaz McCormick out. Instead, Cole gives up a home run to Chaz McCormick. And, and, and that seems to happen to Cole. You know, that's one of his flaws. It, whether you want to say he was disturbed with the two-strike horn which he has made comments about in the past. You want to say that he doesn't like when the pregame clock is a little bit off and it upsets his routine leading up to first pitch. Yeah, those do sound like callous excuses. And when you hear him say things like that, you're not surprised when he thinks he's out of the inning and now he's got to go back and get one more batter out and he loses concentration and serves up a ball that's hit into the right field seats. And the ball wasn't smoked. It wasn't crushed. It was a Yankee Stadium home run. It was a fly ball to right field. But he's a Yankee, and he's pitching in Yankee Stadium. So he's got to know how to approach that at-bat. And that's where Cole falls short of being one of these upper, upper echelon pitchers. And he's being paid to be that. So that's the frustration for the Yankees. All right, let's get back to the phones at one 800 919 3776. Let's go to Kyle and Red Hook. Kyle, how you doing today? Hey, doing pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, you guys are really calling a good one. Uh, all the callers are right on point when they talk about what would be needed. However, you, you went back on a good history lesson, too. My God. I'm, uh, I'm 54, so I remember those years, brother. But uh, what the Yankees need to do, let's keep in mind, we did have a guy, a coach, that was a get-in-your-face coach, and that was with uh, Joe Girardi. And what happened? They got rid of him. Uh, they, also, he went to Philadelphia, Joe, and they got rid of him because I like Joe Girardi. I'm a fan of Joe, but that's not what's happening nowadays. So, Ozzie Guillen, he 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 would he would he would lose it here in New York. They get up from what he would say, and then he'd be gone. The thing about what we need to do is we need to get. You can say hitting coaches or whatever, but the players need to do their job. And last night, Michael Kay was livid. I mean, he was just on point with everything. These guys aren't putting bat on ball. Just as simple as that. 
and they're not putting the bat on ball. We're not getting base hits when we need them. Uh, and neither is our, uh, Houston. Houston's not getting base hits either. So this is something that the Yankees have had to deal with after the All-Star get break. If you saw, if you guys were watching, Yankees started coming on the town. We were almost like getting, like the players were getting tired. Rizzo, who's been a great guy. I mean, look, Cashman brought Rizzo in. He's been a, he's been a home run hitter. A good guy in that second spot or wherever you put it, you put him in. Uh, now his back was hurting him, so you got that. The guys that we brought, he went and got Ben Attendee, he was a hitter, and he struggled. Now he's out. LeMay, you guys, LeMay, we could use them definitely, but the, the guys aren't hitting. When Valdez threw that ball into, in the outfield, which got us a score, I would have had Heinekalafa just bunt. So the coaching, between the coaching and also the hitting, is, it's a combination of everything. And we're not aggressive. We're not attacking. I thought we should attack Houston. Don't we're, we're too busy. We're like two and zero in the count, and then all of a sudden it's uh, it's or we're only two. I completely. Hey, I agree with that, po- Kyle. I agree with that point. This whole and, series, Houston has and, gotten behind two zero, and the Yankees have let that first mind. strike go in. And, and, and let me and let me make a note of this. All right, I'm 54. Boone and I are the same age. I grew up in uh, South Jersey. I watched the Phillies in 1980. The Phillies are on the mound. Now, I'm not saying Cole is a Ron Carlton pitcher, right? Carlton won the Cy Young Hall of Fame and all that. I think Cole will make the Hall of Fame. Uh, Dallas Green's not taking Car- uh, Ron Carlton off that mound. I thought that was no way he should have been taken off that mound. I would have been like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to sink or swim with my ace. Let's put him in, keep him in, because he was doing fine. Those hits weren't solid hits. Right, listen, he only no. gave up one solid hit, and he should have kept him in there. What are you going to do, use him again? Yeah, we might win the next game, but, you, got, you know, even if our pitchers do well, the, the guys aren't hitting. And how many – and they're just flailing up there. And the bottom line is he shouldn't have done that. I thought that was a missed call on Boone right there, and also everybody, Cashman, all of you guys, all of them have to be, uh, uh, have to be culpable for that. But, and, and then, look, he comes off the mound, and I'm talking about Cole, disgusted. And then they're saying, well, can we, you know, can, can you tell him to go back in the, in the you know, tell your coach? No, nobody does that anymore. That's what, that's what guys like Ron Cardinal would do or, or, or a guy like um, Nolan Ryan would do that or the big unit or the rocket. Well, Kyle, let me, let me, let, let me cut anymore. you off, Kyle, and thanks for the call. Uh-huh. Mike, Messina, right Mike Messina famously did that to Joe Torre. To Joe Torre. And they're both in the Hall of Fame, but. Messina was obviously not a Hall of Fame pitcher at the time because he was still pitching, but he did that to Torrey. It was, it was a great scene. And, it, and that's where if you're a great manager, you can adjust on the fly. Go look that up. It's a great clip. Torrey, you know, pops his head out of the dugout, takes like one and a half steps. Messina puts his, I don't know if he like held one finger in the air or all five fingers, but he basically said, get back in there. And Tori like does an about face and goes back into the dugout. And if there's one guy on this Yankees team who has the clout to do that, it's the guy who was on the mound last night. I was watching Boone come out of the dugout last night. A couple of things as I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about this because it did bother me that they took Cole out at that point. And we heard Michael Kay's comments earlier, and he is spot on. It's not like you're coming out of that bullpen with, you know, Mariano would never have been brought into a game in the sixth inning. But, you know, again, to compare the Yankees to the Joe Torre Yankees, which 
fair or unfair, every Yankees team will be compared to until they start to win again. Just ask the Knicks how that feels because they have been compared for now 50 years to the Willis Reed, Walt Clyde Frazier, Dave DeBuscher Knicks. But the 1996 Yankees had Ramiro Mendoza, Jeff Nelson, Mike Stanton out of the bullpen. None of those guys was available last night for Aaron Boone. And you watch Boone and he comes out. Now, Matt Blake, the pitching coach, had already visited Cole that inning. Boone came out and took about two steps and stopped for about a second or two. I don't know if he was having second thoughts. I I hope he was having second thoughts. Because the other thought that ran through my mind was that Boone forgot that they had already visited the mound that inning. And once you visit the mound a second time, you've got to take the pitcher out. Part of me thinks... That Boone forgot that Blake had already visited. And then he's like, well, I'm already out here. I've got to cross the first base. I've, I've got to go and take out Cole. Now, one more thing on that. In the post-game interview session last night with Garrett Cole, and I was at the stadium last night and part of it, Joel Sherman of the New York Post asked Cole about that. And Cole, according to Sherman, who I, I'm, I'm going to trust for now, longtime baseball columnist in this town, uh, terrific baseball columnist, Sherman says that the rule is that until Boone crosses the first baseline, it's not an official visit. Now, Cole didn't know that. That was news to Cole. But even if Boone was having second thoughts, if he comes out of the dugout and then turns around before crossing the first baseline, there's still time to change his mind. But I just thought it was... It's just part of who the Yankees are right now. This whole organizational philosophy of relying too much on analytics and not pushing your guys to the limit and not trusting your guys and trusting numbers instead. I mean, the guy was at 95 freaking pitches. 95 pitches in October. I think he's built up. It's not like he was sitting there at 115 pitches. For And I hate to pile on Lou Trevino. He's a good reliever. But who would you rather have? Cole or Lou Trevino? But then you circle back to the other part of this argument. It doesn't really matter because the Yankees got one hit until the ninth inning when they got two meaningless base hits to make it a three-hitter. So 2 nothing, 5 nothing, 7 nothing. It didn't matter. It was already 2 nothing. The Yankees' offense was already dead and lifeless. But still, that, that ended the game. You know, you're down by two. At any point you get a runner on, you're one base runner away from bringing the tying run to the plate. A 2 nothing deficit feels completely different from a 5 nothing deficit. And I just think that plays into this whole... That's why I think if the Yankees lose tonight and go down meekly and are swept in this series, I think everything is on the table. I just don't like the organizational philosophy. I, I don't understand why you would pay a pitcher $324 million over nine years and not trust him to get out of a bases-loaded, nobody-out jam with your season on the line in the sixth inning. Just like I go back to 2020, when Cole was pitching well against Tampa in the ALDS Game 5. I think that game was out in San Diego. It was the COVID year. 
Game five, ALDS, winner take all. Cole had given up one run over five innings, and they took him out. I couldn't believe they took him out. Now, the Yankees' bullpen then was stronger than it is now. This time, I've got no answer for this. I really don't. It essentially ended the game. If you're not going to go down with your best guy, what are you doing? This this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Uh, Pat O'Keefe back with you. Here's some brighter news. This season marks the 50th anniversary of New York Islanders hockey. To help celebrate, we are giving away tickets to the October 26th rivalry matchup against the New York Rangers at UBS Arena. To enter, download the free ESPN New York app, scroll down to contests, and submit your entry. Brought to you by the New York Islanders. Join in on the fun this season by grabbing your tickets at NewYorkIslanders.com. For full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. Pat O'Keefe with you here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Back to the phones, Milton in Brooklyn. Milton, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? I'm not going to lie to you. Listen, I put this on to listen to the Jets. I First time I'm listening to you, Pat, and I'm going to tell you right now, ESPN better sign you to a long-term contract. I've been listening to sports talk radio since 1987, and you, my friend, are special. I don't know where you are, how old you are, how long you've been on the radio, but you speak clear, you know your stuff, and I don't know. If they let you go, they're going to make a mistake. That's my all agent, I everybody. Say. Milton from Brooklyn, my new agent. Thank you very much. I I'm, appreciate I'm just very, I'm very impressed. Now, real quick with the Yankees, this is what happened. Okay, the Yankees, I mean, the fans and people around baseball never gave Cashman credit. You always buy your championships. That was killing him. He wanted to prove so bad that he could win without, you know, spending all this money. And what happens is when you got a father who did all that, and when you got a son who's not ready to run the team and he's leaning on a guy who's been there for 25 years, it's like if your father gave you the company at 18, you're going to lean on the guy who was your father's right hand man. So he, this how is just listening to this guy. Analytics has brainwashed both of them. Now the problem is he is trying to prove that he could win like the Rays. You are the Yankees. You have to be who you are. There's no excuse not to, that they pass on a guy like Harper, Machado, Correra. You got to be the Yankees. You got to get these guys and, and stop worrying about what people say and stop trying to be like the Rays. They don't even win, okay? So what the problem is, this team is just built the wrong way. They're bullies. They are built to beat people up in the regular season. And they're an excellent team during the regular season. They go in 90 to 100 games. The problem with this team, he built a team that when they get to the playoffs, they get exposed. There's good pitching, better teams that don't fear them. And then it just falls apart because they can't bully their way through wins. So until he gets a, a, a few more lefty batters, yes, it hurts. Manateni's not there. Yes, DJ not there. I understand that. But you need to restructure this team to what it's supposed to be. A left-handed hitting power team, a real leadoff batter, okay, a manager who could – think on the run and not just set a game plan that he's going to stick to it like an old man and say, this is our plan. No, in the fifth inning, you know what? This is not working, guys. We're about to turn things around. That's not happening. So it's a combination of all this stuff. And Hal is just sitting there, you know, worried about the money. He doesn't know nothing about baseball, really. And Cashman is brainwashing to thinking now that the object is to just make the playoffs because you know what? It's a crapshoot. Anybody could win. You know, it really doesn't matter. And that's not true. And unfortunately for Yankee fans, until this owner wakes up and until this GM realizes that he is the GM of the New York Yankees, it's going to be all downhill. And unfortunately, I don't know what to say other than, thank God I still don't win a lot and I get over this real quick. The only pain I get in my life is with the Jets and the Knicks. 
and hopefully they turn hey, around. Hey, hey, Jets but, and Knicks um, <laughs> look good right now, buddy. <laughs> hey, listen, they've got a point guard. We got a point guard. That's all I wanted, and I'm and they're fun to watch. Milton, thanks for the call. I appreciate you checking in. Great points. I mean, I agree with most of what you said. Here's something that I have always felt. And look at professional sports teams and how they are run. All right. And this nothing is a hundred percent, but for the most part, the professional sports teams that are owned by the person who made the money are more successful than the ones that are owned by the person whose father made the money. And the reason for that is the guy who made the money, George Steinbrenner, uh, Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, those guys made their money. They made the money themselves, okay? They are not as worried about pinching pennies and cutting costs and cutting corners, if you will, because once you've made that amount of money in your life, you know that you can make that money again. So you're not that worried about it. Now, when the owners get on an age, or in some cases, the case of George Steinbrenner, of course, when they pass on, and the team then is bequeathed to the son or the daughter in some cases, but in, in these cases, the son of the owner, the son didn't have to make that money. It's a different mindset. You know, I, I we all know most of us probably grew up around at least one rich kid, right? The kid who grows up rich and, you know, as they like to say, was born on third base. They are, they're spoiled. They are used to a certain lifestyle. They don't have to grind day in and day out because they already have a safety net. So they don't have that tenacity that the people who made the actual money have. Look at the tenacity that George Steinbrenner had. Look at the tenacity that, go look at Robert Kraft's story and his personal life aside, you know, the marriage last week and whatever. Just how he made his fortune. He was just a brilliant guy who had a nose for business um, and then he built it into one of the most successful sports franchises that we have right now in the New England Patriots. George Steinbrenner. And George grew up with money. George's dad was a big businessman, but not to the level that George became. The Maras. Wellington Mara was the longtime owner and patriarch of the New York Giants. They were, in the 1980s and 1990s, one of the model franchises in the NFL. John Mara has taken it over, having grown up as Wellington Mara's son. They have not had the same level of success. For the most part, the child of the person who made the money is not nearly as good an owner as the person who made the money because the kid doesn't know how to make that kind of money back just in case, God forbid, he spends too much of it. So they're worried about not having that money. So they're going to be more conservative because they're not as confident in their business acumen to make more of it. George Steinbrenner, spend money on Dave Winfield, spend money on this free agent, that free agent, Jason Giambi, whoever, I will make more money. Hal never made a fortune, an empire. He didn't have to. God bless him. He's a good guy. He's a philanthropist. Uh, he's loyal. Some maybe think to a fault. But he never had to make that kind of money. 
So he manages this team and this franchise completely differently than it was in the past. All right, let's break here. Uh, and then back to your calls. Giants just kicked off. We'll follow that. NFL Week 7 continuing. Uh, and plenty more on the Yanks on 98.7 ESPN New York. This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.